0: The Seahawks have a wealth of riches at cornerback, including top five pick Devin Witherspoon, but that may create a good problem for the Seahawks they're trying to deal with now in training camp. How should they proceed with Witherspoon and company? Rob Rang and I will be breaking it all down on our Wednesday installment of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team... Every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm glad to be joined by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening in Yakima, Washington, or near my old neck of the woods in Indianapolis, Indiana. We greatly appreciate you making Locked on Seahawks your first lesson five days a week. The Seahawks enjoying a much-deserved day off after two hard-fought physical padded practices. They'll be back in action tomorrow, but that doesn't mean we don't have anything to talk about. There's plenty of exciting news coming out of the VMAC and Seahawks training camp, including a cornerback situation that continues to become more intriguing by day. We're going to be dissecting what's going on at that position so far and what should be next for the Seahawks. How can they maximize that really talented cornerback group? We're going to dish out our revised Last five in, first five out for 53-man roster projections. And we're going to catch up with fifth-round pick Mike Morris, one of the more entertaining rookies that's joining the Seahawks squad this year for an exclusive interview. This jam-packed episode is brought your way by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Wednesday edition of the Locked On Seahawks podcast podcast. When Seattle made a somewhat surprising selection, at least for some people a surprising selection, drafting Devin Witherspoon fifth overall, they took what was already a talented young secondary and further bolstered that group. And so far in training camp, that talent and depth has been on display. One of the big storylines for the Seahawks, Trey Brown and Mike Jackson, have been thriving, two of the standouts in training camp. At the outside cornerback positions, Witherspoon had his best practice so far on Tuesday. He was smacking people, making some nice plays in coverage as well. Starting to play as the Seahawks expect, but he's gotten a lot of reps in the slot rather than the outside. Kobe Bryant's playing some at safety. Reek Wolin hasn't even gotten on the field yet. He's on the pup list. When he returns, it's going to further muddy the waters for this really talented position group. And so this really begs the question, Rob. What are the Seahawks trying to accomplish right now at corner and what needs to happen next to maximize this group? Because it really does feel like there's a lot of moving parts and not for bad reasons, but you've got so much talent at that position and only so many of these players can play on the field at once together. I don't think they're going to be busting out an 11 defensive backs package, but maybe Pete Carroll's going to try to find a way to do that with some of the blitzing talent they have in the safety position. Nonetheless, there's limited spots for these guys And it has created a little bit of a conundrum here at the cornerback spot.
1: Yeah, it has just because there's just so much talent that the Seattle has the cornerback position. That's why it was a stunning selection, in my opinion, number five overall. It's not that I didn't think the Devil Witherspoon was worth it. I had him going in my final mock draft one pick later to the Detroit Lions at number six overall. So I certainly believe that he was worthy of that spot. But you you mentioned the you know the, the impact that Tariq Woolen had a year ago for the Seahawks. Mike Jackson, the veteran, was absolutely terrific. And and, and then yet yeah, you, you see the young players and Trey Brown and Kobe Bryant, you think, okay, Seattle's cornerback position is stocked. There's no way that they're going to go in that direction at number five overall, and yet they believe that he was the best player available, and I think that that belief has been justified, at least with what I saw, uh, going to the practice on Tuesday, where Devin Witherspoon was every bit as good as expected, every bit as physical, every bit is feisty, and I think that when you add players like that to your defense, almost by definition, it's going to get better. And I think that this is something that that some Seahawks fans out there, when they think of the cornerback position, all they're thinking about is pass defense. And I think that Devin Witherspoon is also going to have a huge impact on Seattle's running game. And that's why I am not overly concerned about the fact that Witherspoon is lining up as often as he is at the nickel cornerback spot. Because, again, I think that he's going to be able to provide some run support there. And I also believe that this is not any type of a of a slight to Mike Jackson or to Rick Woolen or to Trey Brown, all of whom are you know starting at this point on the outside. I think it's just a testament to their talent. And Deborah Witherspoon is going to have to work his way up. Pete Carroll and John Schneider, they are not in the habit of just handing over jobs, regardless of how high they might have selected them on draft day.
0: Yeah, there's this narrative out there. And to an extent, I understand it because for a long time, slot corner was viewed as a secondary position in the secondary. It was a specialist position. Only played a handful of snaps per game, but it's 2023. Things have changed tremendously. This is a passing league now. And it's tough for me to say that being a running back guy, but it is a passing league. Teams like to air it out. And if you don't have a really good slot cornerback that not only can play coverage with all that field, you got to cover both sides. You don't have the boundary to protect you. Not just that, if they can't come up and stick people in the run, teams exploit that. They scheme to take advantage of that. And so I do not think that this is one of those situations. There's plenty of fans out there that will disagree with me and that's fine. They'll say putting a top five pick in the slot That means he's a bust. He's not playing on the outside. He can't make an impact. I vehemently disagree seeing how the Seahawks are using him because we saw, Rob, how bad this run defense was last year. I can tell you one thing that Devin Witherspoon already is showing, and if you watch the film, you understand he's going to do this anyway, but if there's one thing he is going to bring to this defense, it's nastiness. This guy is going to come up. He is going to smack you. He is going to play the run. He had a sack in practice yesterday, blitzing off the edge. He's a really good blitzer. There's not much Devin Witherspoon can't do on a football field. This guy is a dynamic talent. And so if you put him in the slot, this is not 2000. It's not 1990. You're not trying to mask a guy put him in the slot. You're trying to accentuate his incredible skill set in that position. And really what this boils down to, Rob, and this is just my opinion. We'll see where you stand on this. But I think Devin Witherspoon, he is going to be playing every snap for the Seattle Seahawks. The big question here now is is he going to be playing a lot of those snaps in nickel and dime playing inside, or is this going to be a case where the Seahawks feel like they're better with him on the outside than Trey Brown or Mike Jackson? It really boils down to if he's going to be playing in that slot position, I think it's Trey Brown versus Mike Jackson, maybe versus Kobe Bryant, who they're moving around right now. That's what this says more to me about than it does Devin Witherspoon. He's going to play. They're going to get him out on the field It just now is the competition between the rest of those guys to try to earn snaps on the outside.
1: Yeah, when when I look at Rick Woolen and Mike Jackson, those two players in particular, I I see guys who are taller, longer, a little bit higher hip. They don't have the immediate change of direction, the swivel hips that I I see with Devin Witherspoon. I think that, again, he's he's a little bit shorter player, a little bit more compact, the basketball background and his ability to mirror movements. I think that just allows him to be a little bit more that kind of classic cover corner. Whereas I do believe that that Reek Woolen and Mike Jackson are better suited outside. And then I, I look at, uh, you know, d- d- the dominant wide receivers that are in the NFC West division. I mean, you have Cooper Cup, who of course is just a year removed from leading the league in rece- receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. The majority of his snaps came in at the slot position. I look at the San Francisco 49ers, and yeah, Brendan Ayuk is fantastic. But in my opinion, the best wide receiver, most dynamic wide receiver on that team, Debo Samuel plays a lot of slaps in the, the slot position. Uh same thing with the Arizona Cardinals. Again, you got a speedster, Marquise Brown. But for my money, the most dynamic receiver on that team is Rondale Moore, who plays the slot position. So again, I, I think that the Seahawks recognize the dynamic talent that they are going to be facing. Uh, in their own division they saw Devin Witherspoon as a guy that has that ability so fans out there who kind of scoff at the idea that a slot is not a starter you know welcome to modern day football it absolutely is and and so again I mean whether Devin Witherspoon is starting in the slot or starting on the outside I 100% agree with you he is going to be starting he is going to be playing significant time and if uh, that the game film that I watched over his career in Illinois and what I saw in person in Seahawk Blue and number 21 uh, is any indication, then Seahawks fans are going to be really, really happy with the selection when it's all said and done.
0: Yeah, this is about maximizing the talent you have. And Devin Witherspoon, with all of the talent that he has in the run and passing game, blitzing, the, the instincts, you put all those together, he can be a game wrecker from the slot. If you're utilizing him right and if that allows you to get Mike Jackson or Trey Brown in the field and you feel like that is your best back defense, your best secondary with that mix, then you go for it. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to win football games. You're trying to get the best defense that you can out there. And if Devin Witherspoon playing a lot of snaps inside equates to that then you do it especially in today's game with all the slot weapons in this division as you mentioned you need a dynamic talent there so I really like that they're giving him a long look there and the more you see it on the practice field it's starting to come together like oh I can see why they're doing this and that makes this really fascinating but it does create a conundrum with all the other guys because again you can only get so many of these players in the field at once and so they are going to be continuing to have this intense battle for playing time as training camp continues tomorrow at the VMAC. Coming up next, we're going to be dishing out revised last five in, first five out bubble watch here for 53-man roster for the Seahawks enter six practices. I think Rob and I have a little bit different opinion on a handful of players that should make it a really fun segment. We'll get to that here in a moment on our Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks that is brought your way by FanDuel. Take your first swing with FanDuel, the official sportsbook Of Major League Baseball and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting or betting everything. I'm definitely talking baseball here. From the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run of the day, it's all in the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet. On Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined as always by my host and crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there who are tuning in, regardless of where you're listening from. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Seahawks. Your first lesson, five days a week. Coming up tomorrow, Seahawks will be back on the practice field for their seventh training camp practice, their final audition before their mock scrimmage on Friday. For our everydayers out there, we will be diving into all the key details on offense, defense, and special teams heading into that mock scrimmage and a bit of a preview for that first, I guess you could say, dress audition that is coming up. It's going to be a jam-packed episode, so make sure you are listening in with us now being six practices into training camp, there's only a handful of open camp sessions left for fans. We've already knocked out four of them to this point. And so with us being one week into camp, they started last Wednesday, Rob. It's time for us to revisit our back part of the roster, the bubble watch, the Last five players in, the first five players out. And and I can tell you my list looks somewhat different than what it did six practices ago. I know that you can speak the same. And so we're going to start with the players that right now, we believe, are just on the outside looking in. They're on the wrong side of the bubble. Are first five out. And I'm going to dish it to you, Rob. Who are some of the players that stand out to you that are, oh, so close, but at this point, you don't see them making this football team? in late August, early September.
1: Yeah, there's a number of undrafted free agents from this 2023 draft class that that I'm going to list here that I think have a real chance at making this roster. Now, that's of course something that the Seahawks have a great deal of history with. We saw last year Joey Blunt a year ago. It was Jake Curran. It's these undrafted free agents that not only made the roster they, you know, in the case of Blunt, it was more on special teams. Curran wound up becoming a starter for the Seahawks as an undrafted rookie. So again, these are players that I think have a chance to make this roster, but right now I have them on the outside looking in. I'm gonna start off with the safety uh, from Penn State, Jonathan Sutherland. Corbin, I, I thought that he made several splashy plays on Tuesday's practice. And uh, you know, he is just a, a hard-hitting, uh very instinctive defensive back. And because I think that like cornerback, safety is a very, very deep position, then I think it's gonna be a really tough spot uh for one of these undrafted rookies to be able to make that uh make that the team. Um, the other reason is. Is a player that we talked about before, Kobe Bryant, who is also playing some safety for the Seahawks, and it's that positional versatility that Bryant is offering that I think could make it that much more difficult for any of the other safeties for Seattle to make this other than, of course, the presumed starters like Quandre Diggs, Julian Love, Jamal Adams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm gonna go past uh, Jonathan Sutherland and go to the wide receiver position, which again, like corner, like safety, I think is really Seattle's strengths, where they just have so many good, talented players. I think that some other NFL teams are going to be keeping an eye on them. And I'm going to go with the two wide receivers are basically polar opposites. The six, four, 200 pounder that can run in the four threes and Matt Landers from Arkansas, um, as well as Kay Johnson, the shifty slot receiver return extraordinaire uh, from South Dakota state that that both of them, I think, again, have the ability to be on Seattle's roster. But right now I do see them on the outside looking in. I think want to see some splashy performances from both in training camp, perhaps even in Friday scrimmage to be able to kind of get that move the needle a little bit more for them um and then finally i mentioned the cornerback position the depth who talked about that just a moment ago Uh, i really see the two other guys two players that i think again, are legitimate NFL caliber prospects. And that being Lance Boykin, the undrafted free agent out of Coastal Carolina, just love his length um, in Seattle's system. It hurt me, hurt my soul to, to put him on the outside of this because I really was impressed with what I saw from him on Tuesday. And then Chris Steele from USC, a, a huge five-star recruit from Florida, originally came to USC, left as an underclassman in Corbin, I see an NFL talent in him. Um, and so again, these are five players that I currently have on the outside Side looking in, but it would not be surprised at all in two weeks if anyone or all of these five players wind up really making a push for Seattle's fit top 53.
0: Yeah, all five of those players, you can make some arguments, at least for them being on the bubble. It's kind of like the NCAA tournament. These are guys that are trying to get on the right side of the bubble. And for me, I've got a few similar players to you on these lists. In this particular one, you and I both agree Matt Landers. Matt Landers is my last one out in that deep, talented receiving core. He has made a couple really splashy plays here early in training camp, showing off that big playability. He averaged 20 yards per reception last year at Arkansas, almost 1,000 receiving yards too. So he had an impressive season, 4-3-7 guy at four. but I have him on the outside. I also have John Radigan, and this is not one that I was expecting I was going to be listing here, but I'm reading through the tea leaves right now. This team is really excited about Vi Jones. Devin Bush is going to be there. I'm assuming that the reason he missed yesterday, nothing significant. He was still out there carrying his helmet. So I think that it was probably precautionary. Bobby Wagner, they're thinking there's a good chance Jordan Brooks will be back at some point. I think they are going to go with the athlete here over... A guy like John Radigan who had a great final year at Army. He's a good special teams player. But Vi Jones is also a very good special teams player. So I think athleticism and upside are going to be the differences here. Maybe more concern about losing him, not being able to get him on the practice squad because of those athletic traits. So I've got Vi Jones making this team over John Radigan. Josh Oniogo has made some nice pass rushes in one-on-ones. I just think Tyreek Smith is going to get that spot over him. And so he's one of the ones that's looking from the outside, looking in. And as for my other two players that just missed, Tyler Mabry on a lot of teams would make the roster. But Seattle has three really solid veteran tight ends. I don't see them keeping four. And this is going to be a surprise one on here. Robert Cooper wasn't even back on the roster to, till yesterday. But, Rob, I watched this guy in the drills yesterday you want to talk about a guy that has his own orbit robert cooper is that kind of player seattle does not have a nose tackle like that and you and i thought when he first signed to the team after the draft that this guy had a really good chance to make this football team without Al Woods being here, without a healthy Brian Monet. But he was not recovered fully from his shoulder surgery. was a little bit out of shape. So Seattle cut him, gave him a chance to get back into full shape, and he looked pretty good from what I saw yesterday. So I actually think Seattle's going to give him a very close look because there aren't very many 330-plus-pound guys that can move the way he does, and he had some really good production when healthy at Florida State. So I actually have him, even though he was a late addition coming back, I have him as one of my – Players that's going to be in that first five out. Now, let's talk about the five players that are on the right side of the bubble, the last five to make this football team. And you and I both have some intriguing differences on this one as well. I'm looking forward to hearing your argument for the guys that are on the right side. And if today was the final cutdown day, would make the Seahawks roster.
1: Yeah, there's going to be some uh, names that you just mentioned uh, as being the, some of the guys that, that don't quite make it, that do make it for me. And I'm going to start out there with Radigan. Um, and the reason why I'm putting him here is I, I 100% agree with you. I think that it's going to be a very difficult battle between he and By Jones. the The reason why I have both. Players making Seattle's roster currently is because I just am very skeptical that Jordan Brooks is going to be able to begin this season ready to go. And if you're going to be relying on Devin Bush in his first year in Seattle's program, then I, I think that you want to have some backup options. And, and so John Radigan is a very different player than Vi Jones, as you mentioned before. Vi Jones, just with his athletic ability, uh, you know, and we talked about that he has played on the outside, he's a special teams demon. I have not yet. Seeing the instincts uh you know and the 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 communicate the communication skills um that i want from that kind of classic middle linebacker and, and that's exactly what john radigan is and so to me it, it's you know he is one that is going to be very much on the bubble but i am fascinated to watch that linebacker, those linebackers play uh throughout this entire process i I'll, I'll skip ahead for a moment to josh oniogo just because i do see a dynamic edge rusher i i do see a guy that has some kind of benson mayoya a diamond-in-the-rough type to him. And just knowing that the way the pass rushers are so valued in the NFL and, and, frankly, in every other professional football league, I just have a hard time believing that any pass rusher that has any kind of juice is going to fall off of this roster. Um, I would not be surprised if both he and Tyreek Smith, as you mentioned before, you thought Seattle might uh, prioritize Tyreek Smith over – I again, I think that there's a possibility that both of those players make Seattle's roster, which would make it for a very bloated roster potentially on the defensive side of the ball. In my, top, the 53 that I am currently projecting, I actually have 24 players on offense, 26 players on defense, and that would be a little unique for Seattle. Usually they're a little bit more, uh, you know, even than than having two more players on one side of the ball. Um, finally, I would kind of go to some of the other players. Austin Failu, uh, for the same reason that you mentioned before with Robert Cooper. I think that's going to be an interesting bow between the two, but again, Brian Monet possibly beginning the. Most likely, beginning the season on the pup list, I think it's going to open up a spot for one of those big space eaters. So I'm going to go with the veteran here, Failu, over Robert Cooper. But again, I think it's going to be a very interesting battle. I do have a hard time imagining both of those players making it. And Cooper, uh, you know, to your credit, I, I think actually may have the advantage at this point, just because he's the healthier player. If was out on Tuesday, I'd mean, be curious to see if he gets back onto the field uh, for the Seahawks soon. He's going to need to if he's going to be able to retain this spot. Spot. Finally, Two of my kind of sleepers here, uh, you know, Jarek Reed. We've talked about before, obviously as a draft pick for the Seahawks, and that's you know angry little elf as John Schneider so famously kind of <laughs> characterized him. I, I do think that he's got a chance to to make this roster, um, but as I said before, I really think that safety is a loaded, loaded position. And while I am intrigued by what I've seen from Reed, at the same time, there were some some coverage mistakes, at least in my opinion, from from my perspective in Tuesday's practice that I was a little concerned about. And again, Seattle's depth and safety i think is going to make that a difficult one so he, he's somebody i want to watch but Uh, I'm a little nervous, but I don't think that he is the lock uh, to make this roster that I I thought that he was kind of portrayed as, and I certainly thought that he might be based on what I saw at the rookie minicamp. And and then finally, Jalen McKenzie, of all of the offensive linemen Corbin that I watched, he was the one that kind of surprised me the most. I was impressed by his athletic ability. I was impressed by his positional versatility and his physicality. Seattle's got some big, big offensive linemen out there that don't always play way big. Um, I, I think I, I see the guys that have such, such size that they're able to kind of wall people off, but not physically impose their will and create movement. I thought McKenzie did a pretty nice job of staying balanced and pass protection and yet also getting, moving the pot, or moving the line of scrimmage a little bit. And because of that, he's my, my guy right now that I'm kind of calling my shot a little bit in the, in terms of a guy that I think that people may be sleeping on that I do believe is very much on the roster bubble and is getting a lot of attention from Seattle scouts.
0: That's really a good segue to my list because I think Jay Curhan is very much on the bubble. And and I know that he was the guy that ended up playing guard with Phil Haynes when Damian Lewis was sick earlier this week. He can play the tackle spot, both guard spots. So that position versatility is going to help him. At the same time, McKenzie has looked pretty solid. They got a couple other linemen there. I think Greg Island has taken a big leap so far this year. And so when you look at the players they have there and with Evan Brown's ability to play guard, that's really the wild card here. If Oluwatimi wins that job, then I could see the Seahawks deciding, we've got Brown as another guard option. We don't need Jake Curhan here. Let's let's keep a more athletic guy. So I think Curhan makes this team right now, but I think he is squarely on the bubble. I can say the same for Joey Blunt, who's had a really good training camp. It seems like 35 is making plays every day, and yet – same reasons that you mentioned with Jarek Reed the it's There's going to be some good safeties that don't make this football team. And I think Jamal Adams is going to be back at some point this month. I'm more confident in him being back than Jordan Brooks. So with that, that's one safety spot that is taken away with number 33 being back. But I think Joey Blunt makes this roster because of his special teams talent. And he's just played too well in training camp not to make this football team. So I actually think there's a good chance he and Jarek Reed II can both make this team because of their positional versatility. Reed can play slot, both safety positions, a good special teams player as well. And I think they just believe in the upside, even if there have been some assignment mistakes. As far as the other players just making it, I have Vi Jones on here because I still want to see a bit more from him on the field, but the athleticism, the fact that he was the one that got to go in with Bobby Wagner yesterday, that spoke volumes to me. So I think he gets the nod there, but he's going to have to continue showing stuff. He is not a lock at this point to make this team. He's got to keep playing well. And closing out my list, Tyreek Smith and Cade Johnson are the other two that I have making this football team. For the reasons that you mentioned with Johnson not making it, I've seen enough from him with his route running savvy. I've seen him back returning some kicks. That's still the X factor here. But his chemistry that he talked about on our podcast, the interview we had with him last week, the chemistry that he has with Geno Smith from that year that Geno was still the backup to Russell Wilson and Kate Johnson was on the practice squad. They got so many reps together. I feel like that chemistry and what we saw for him late last year Those are things that are going to be accounted for when Seattle's trying to figure out who that last receiver is going to be. You want somebody that Geno Smith can count on, that he trusts. Kate Johnson checks off that box and still a very young receiver that was very productive at the college level. And he's had a good camp, has scored three touchdowns in training camp. So I think Kate Johnson's the last one that makes this football team at a very deep receiver position you're listening to the wednesday edition of locked on seahawks i'm your host corbin smith glad to be joined as always by my co-host and crime rob rang and a special thanks to all the 12s for making locked on seahawks your first listen five days a week for our everydayers we're going to have some hard-hitting analysis coming out of tomorrow's seventh training camp practice and a preview of what to watch in friday's mock scrimmage at Lumen Field. going to be a loaded episode. Make sure that you are listening in. Among the many newcomers on Seattle's defensive line, maybe the most intriguing, not just for what he does on the field, but what he does off the field, Mike Morris, the fifth-round pick out of Michigan. Uh, You know, there were several rookies on draft weekend that made an interesting impression and, and got fans excited. Kenny McIntosh, the way that he responded after falling to the seventh round. But, There's something about the enthusiasm, the passion, and just the glee that Mike Morris plays the game with and how he lives life. He's just a fun interview, and he was able to quickly endear himself to the fan base with not just the way he responded in draft calls, but when they went canoeing, I don't know that there was anybody that was funnier to watch the reactions, the things that he was saying, and you see that personality and then, Between the lines, it's all business. Totally turns a new leaf. And not that he doesn't smile or laugh on the field, but, I mean, this is a guy that gets after it. And he has had plenty of fuel poured on top of that internal flame that is always running hot, falling to the fifth round. He knows what the scouts have said about him, especially playing inside. And he's looking forward to proving his doubters wrong. So with that being said, we're excited for the chance to chat with Mike Morris midway through his first training camp about his goals for 2023 a big 10 rivalry that apparently still has some bitter feelings in the big 10 and much more take a listen early impressions your first training camp here in seattle getting to play in front of the 12s mm. open camp practices. How, how's it been for
2: you? uh man it's been nice it's been nice it's been very exciting just to have fans there little kids screaming mores Morris. uh you know it's, it's it's a good experience i really like it
0: the little kids here—it's always exciting seeing them on the curb, mm-hmm. getting signed autographs, yeah. all I that fun stuff. Pete Carroll shooting off t-shirt cannons, yeah. all kinds of crazy stuff. How different is practice compared to what you experienced at Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? Obviously, you had your OTAs, and things are fairly similar this time of year. But yeah. now you've got the pads.
2: I would say it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier in terms of physicality. It's probably like probably we move a little faster here, but I'd say practice camp at Michigan is 10 times harder. Because just the amount of like physical, like pound and pound that we do is different, it's different. We have like 10 team periods. So it's nine on seven, the whole nine. It's a lot, it's a lot.
0: What's been the biggest adjustment going from college to
2: the NFL? I'd probably say a lot of technique. Technique, pad level. and um, i probably just say they let you be an athlete a lot more here. Like, if you're going to make the play, make the play. But uh, I mean, I love it here. So I feel like I'm, I can be a full full athlete and uh, I'm, liking, I'm liking it a lot.
0: I'm from Indiana, northern Indiana. Mm-hmm. It's Big Ten country. It's, re- it's a religion there watching Big Ten games. So yeah. I've watched a ton of Michigan film. Mm-hmm. A couple years ago, you get to play a little bit more inside mm-hmm. for your snaps. How would you compare the role the Seahawks have you playing so far here to what you did in the moments you played inside for Michigan?
2: Uh, I'd probably say about the same. I'd probably say I really wasn't in inside on first, second down, only in certain packages. But um, I'll, I'll talk to Molly today. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very, very similar. Very, very similar. So, I have to go back, get my mindset right, and uh, go onto the field and kick some
0: butt. It's all about sub packages So, here you're going to be doing it full time, a little bit of a change up. Mm-hmm. You being six foot six, obviously, the simple answer to this is I just got to get low. Yeah. But the leverage battle. What else goes into that in terms of coming out of your stance, the way that you use your hands and stuff? Because that does create a building disadvantage unless your technique is right.
2: Yeah, it just, it's it's honestly not as hard as you think. If we just come the ball, strike the man in front of you, double teams will get destroyed, blocks will get destroyed. So it's really mostly about getting off the ball and uh, not getting in their chest before they get into yours. If they get into yours, it's uh, it's wrap.
0: So it's mostly about timing more than anything. And that offsets yes. the fact that. Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought. You're close to 300 pounds now. Nah, no, I'm 300. You're, 300. You're right at 300. So obviously, you've had your weight fluctuate a little bit, but mm-hmm. is this where they want you to be at, or is there a goal maybe down the line, maybe a, bit of, a little bit bigger than this? I
2: mean, my coach said, Mike, if you get 300, you get 300. If you don't, you don't. Like, I'm not really concerned about it, because I feel like one of the big concerns was like, am I going to get big? Because in the combine, I was like 270. So that was one of the concerns, but I told him, I was like, you talked to about nutritionists. You talked to Coach Herb and Abigail back at Michigan. Uh, who are in charge of like my weight and me getting stronger and better eating right? Like they'll tell you like I can gain and lose weight easy, very easily. So. I feel like I'm fine. I'm in a you, good place.
0: You shared this with us that this is something you've done before, and yeah. with the way. But when you're asked to gain that muscle back on, uh, what's the go-to food for you that you enjoy to indulge in to, to get to that point? I
2: mean, you got to eat a lot of a lot of protein. I was about to say some crazy, but uh, you got to eat a lot of protein. A lot of protein. A lot of greens. A lot of veggies. Uh, carbs. You just got to just. Main thing is a lot of protein. Of
0: anything jump out since you've been here as far, I don't know if you've gotten to go out and experience any, uh, any of the food here locally in the Pacific mm-hmm. West, but is there anything that's jumped
2: out? Too? Uh, No, not really. Like I've been going to local places. Like I've gone to Earl's. I've gone to um, some places in Seattle, but nothing really crazy. Nothing crazy at all.
0: What's it been like getting to learn from Jared Reed and Draymond Jones, the two? Most experienced veteran he's now coming back jerry mm-hmm. coming back during Jones' his first time here so yeah. what's that experience been like for you so far uh it's
2: really cool it's like very helpful very encouraging very helpful very supportive making sure that um like i not only know my assignment but i'm also coming off the ball because i was something that was really difficult for me because i back at michigan i was in a four eye so i was at a balance step and i'm playing what we call like react attack so i'm reacting off the tackle where here is like, I need to get the ball. So we're playing like more kind of like attack react. So that was really difficult for the transition for me. But once I got down to it, it was fine. But yeah, they've been nothing but supportive and like leading us, leading the charge. And I'm very thankful that my rookie year has been showing them.
0: Miles Adams was telling me about this. He guys, it seems like you are doing more power stepping than mere stepping. Mm-hmm. So that matches with what he said. And yes. You guys also get the benefit of a pass rushing coach. That's what the Seahawks have not had throughout the Pete Carroll tenure, and then they bring in B.T. Jordan. What has that experience been like in the work with him? Because he has a track record coaching, not mm-hmm. just edge guys. He's coached some of the best interior rushers, too. Mm-hmm. What's that experience been like?
2: I mean, it's cool. He's at Michigan State, so yeah. I <laughs> Nah, I like B.T. I was going to ask I like B.T. a lot. I like B.T. a lot. That's my, That's a big bro. That's a big bro. He's definitely been helping me with my pass rush from inside because from the inside standpoint, a lot, everything happens a lot faster, a lot faster. So... From just the hands, tech, just being like a technician in there has uh, really been helping me a lot. And I have a long way to go, but uh, progress. It's always progress.
0: As camp progresses and gets to the preseason games, what are your ultimate goals here for the next month?
2: You know, uh, I feel like a lot of just going from uh, college to now, I thought the scouting ports are going to be probably run to his side when I'm at three tech because he probably can't handle the double teams, but I want to make it apparent that Just like a college run to my side is gonna be problems. That's what I wanna. That's what I really wanna
0: do. That's what I really wanna set the tone about. You run to Mike Morris's side. There's gonna be problems. That's gotta fire up Seahawks fans, especially after finishing thirtieth defending the run a year ago. Really fun interview with Mike Morris and a player that has really stood out. Not just because he's six foot six. I mean, he makes the rest of Seattle's defensive linemen look like they're like five foot ten. But uh, he has stood out with the way that he carries himself on the practice field and really looking forward to seeing what he does when full pads are in and they start doing game situations on Friday. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to ensure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to be breaking down the seven training camp practice, offense, defense, special teams, you name it. Hard-hitting analysis, you Love and expect from the Lock On Seahawks podcast. And we'll also be previewing Friday's scrimmage coming up at Lumen Field. You won't want to miss it. Thanks for listening in and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.